Golden State Warriors basketball. Back door to Curry, got hammered up and good! Curry came slicing into the right corner. This is Warriors Roundtable. He went reverse, took the contact, threw it up over his head, banked it home. With the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Robinson will take it, guarded by Rondo. Raises up at the dribble, draws a crowd. Down the lane to the rim, layup for Nate is good! He ties the game with 30 seconds to go! Pierce waits with five on the clock with four. Raises up, drives down the lane, stops, finds Garnett for a deep two. Left side, good! Garnett hit it with 5.1 to go, and the Warriors will use their final timeout. Hotly contested contest last night out at Oracle Arena as the Warriors lose on a jump shot by Kevin Garnett with 5.1 to go and spoiling what was another good night for Mark Jackson's undermanned squad, Clay Thompson with a new career high of 26 points. Hi everyone, Tim Roy here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, but that game has already faded from our memory banks because of what happened today. It's the NBA trading deadline day, and this is the Warriors Weekly Roundtable trading deadline day special, and what a day it has been. What a 48 hours for the Golden State Warriors, who sent Monte Ellis, uh, Kwame Brown, and Epe Udo to the Milwaukee Bucks for Andrew Bogut, and Steven Jackson. Uh, Jackson did not stay in Oakland long. He was flipped to San Antonio today for Richard Jefferson, guard T.J. Ford, and a 2012 first-round pick uh, from the San Antonio Spurs. But the Warriors weren't done yet. They went to Atlanta and bought a second-round pick from the Atlanta Hawks. So there's a potential for the Warriors to have four picks. And what many are saying is the best draft in years, this draft of 2012. Coming up on tonight's show, Warriors General Manager Larry Riley will break down the initial trade, the trade between the Warriors and the Milwaukee Bucks. As Monte Ellis goes to Milwaukee, Andrew Bogut coming the other way. We'll get to all the particulars on that one. Then Warriors Assistant General Manager Bob Myers will stop by to break down today's activities, the trade with San Antonio, and why the Warriors went and got that second-round pick from the Atlanta Hawks. Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports will come by later on the hour to break down the rest of the NBA activities, including the firing of head coach Nate McMillan up in Portland. We'll take your comments and questions on our Warriors Vox segment, as well as a special thank you to Monte Ellis and to Epe Udo. All this hour on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable right here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. And when we come back, a conversation with Warriors General Manager Larry Riley. Chest pass to Lee, right corner, good big baseline, over the head slam for David Lee. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Last night before the Warriors-Boston contest, Warriors General Manager Larry Riley held a press conference at Oracle Arena to discuss the deal between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Golden State Warriors. I had a chance to sit down with Larry Riley and talk to him after that press conference. A busy and uh, eventful 24 hours for you in the franchise. Uh, Andrew Bogut, Stephen Jackson coming from Milwaukee, and Monte Elisipayuto, Kwame Brown uh, going to the Bucks and what was the, the, the genesis of the trade? How did this get started? Well, this thing, like many trades, didn't come up just in the last few days. And um, I mentioned to some people it actually started with uh, last year at the Chicago pre-draft camp. And I had a visit with John Hammond at that time and expressed uh, interest in somehow acquiring Andrew Bogut. 
um, wasn't much there at that time. And then, of course, everything was preempted by the lockout. And then um, oh, it just lightly came back once or twice, and I kept getting a no. But uh, uh, probably 10 days or so previous to the All-Star weekend, things started to get where we were chatting a little bit more. And um, uh, it took some time, and there were a lot of uh, back-and-forth comments and discussions. But Monday is when we finally got the thing put together. Uh, Over the weekend, we had a sense that it probably could happen, and then Monday afternoon we got it finalized. And then it took a while uh, to get the trade call made, and uh, we couldn't say anything. We can't talk to the public, to the media, or anything until the trade call is official. That doggone thing went on till about 12:30 last night. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but we got it finished, and uh, now it's a matter of passing the physicals, which shouldn't be a problem. And we've got ourselves a center. And how difficult was it to uh, move people like Monte Ellis and, and Epe Udo, Monte, who had grown into be a good pro, and Epe, who's just one of the great guys. Epe, of course, was a youngster, and he was making great strides and, and was, as you said, and you've been around him a lot, he's just a tremendous young man. And that's very difficult to do. And uh, when you draft a young man, you, you tend to follow him a little bit and you hope that he does well. It was difficult for me. It was difficult for Joe. And then Joe really, uh, he really liked Monte Ellis and the contributions that he had made to our organization. It was extremely difficult. It, it was kind of a gut-wrenching thing, but you you finally come to the conclusion that you have to put your emotions aside and let's do a basketball deal. Now you get Andrew Bogut, who uh, by all accounts, when when healthy, is a, a guy that can can protect the basket. He's good around the basket on the offensive end. Uh, he's a talented guy. Very talented, and we had the benefit of having some inside information about him as a person because Larry Harris is one of our scouts. He drafted him as the general manager in Milwaukee and was around him a great deal, so we knew there were no character issues. And the basketball speaks for itself because, of, as you've alluded to, this is a, a player who I don't care whether you rate him in the top three or top five centers in the league. We've got one of the top centers in the league because he rebounds, he defends, he can pass, and he can score. And so we've gotten ourselves a player who can do that, and he's a legit seven-footer. So uh, we're, we're just as excited as we can be to have him, and uh, we want to make sure everything is good with him before we put him on the floor, whether that's the end of this year or sometime next year. How much due diligence do you have to do in a deal like this when you're dealing with a player who's injured and was coming off another injury? How do you go about that? We went, uh, we actually, the discussions got hot enough, so to speak, that we had the documentation and the medical information uh, as early as two weeks before the trade and had plenty of time to pour over it. And we had the Milwaukee doctors involved with our doctors and then two other uh, specialists mm-hmm. who evaluated the same information. All four came up with the same conclusion which uh, that's the amount of comfort that you want to have. He is healing properly and should continue to do so. How important was it for you to get a center that can block some shots? And he went three years in a row averaging over two blocks a game. How important was that when you consider working alongside, say, a guy like David Lee and fitting into Mark Jackson's philosophy? Shot blocking, of course, is an important ingredient. That's one of the things we lost with Epe. So we get to replace a little bit of that uh, with with Andrew Bogut. And it it just 
it just gives you an opportunity to every once in a while if the defense breaks down, they're still an escape route, so to speak, if, if he can come over and block a shot or contest a shot. And he does those things quite well. He has, has an excellent knowledge of the game. He's, uh, he's a coach's player in that regard. He understands defensive rotations and how to play the game on offense. And, uh, you know, I, I just think his size. We haven't had a center since I've been here. And um, there would be others who'd say, well, it goes back a whole lot farther than that. Yes, it does. (laughs) Uh, So we've got a center, and we've actually changed this team without question. What does this trade mean for Steph Curry? I think it opens the door for him to do a little bit more as a point guard in the future. And uh, it it allows him to maybe take over the team just a little bit more. He and Monte became a pretty good duo on the offensive end of the floor. We always said that we felt like the two of them could play together, but I felt that they had to have a true five behind them, and we never got there. We had Kwame Brown for a short period of time, and and then that didn't work. Uh, Now we're out from under the two small guards issue, and uh, we have a center as well. Uh, We have height at the two position, whether it's Clay Thompson or Brandon Rush or whoever we should choose to play there. And... uh, I, I do think that's a little bit better way to play, and I know Mark Jackson likes it. He he didn't want to give up Monte or Epe, and none of us did, but we have changed the team. We have size for position, and we do have a weakness. We've got to go improve our bench. We, uh, we had a good bench this year, but we didn't like our starting lineup, to be quite candid. Now it would appear that we'll have a starting lineup, and Bob Myers and I and Travis Link and our whole staff, we're going to have to go to work to – uh, add to our bench a little bit as we go forward. I know there's a lot of season left, but you have to be really excited about the summer. I'm, I'm just ecstatic <laughs> about this and then moving into the summer. And I'm also excited about the next, uh, you know, we've got 26 games after the trade deadline. And there's an opportunity for some of our young players and some of the players who haven't been playing as much to get some minutes. They'll get the chance to develop. We'll know more about them when this season's over. And we're going to go try to win games. And it it got tougher because we gave up our leading score and probably our best defender. I don't think anybody argues that. But we're going to go try to win games. Uh, This group did a great job last night in uh, Sacramento. And you never know in this business. If you show up and play and play the right way, you're going to have a chance. Thanks for the chat and congratulations. Thank you. Golden State Warriors General Manager Larry Riley trying to reshape the franchise. When we come back, we'll hear from Bob Myers about the deals of the day. Uh, Steven Jackson ending up in San Antonio and the Warriors buy a second round pick from the Atlanta Hawks. But first, a quick reminder, the Warriors have a very special Chris Mullen Lakers four-pack that will not only get you tickets to the Chris Mullen Jersey Retirement Night on Monday night, plus the upcoming appearance by the Los Angeles Lakers. Go to Warriors.com or call one gsw hoop and a press one. Warriors Assistant General Manager Bob Myers when we continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable right here on KMBR 680. The Sports Leader. Pass to right over the head dub, caught it right at the rim. What a pass. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. Don't forget tomorrow night, Warriors and the Bucks. Monte Ellis, FAUDO, sitting up for the Bucks, we believe. Uh, 7.15 the airtime 
on KBR 680. We've just heard from Larry Riley, who told us about the trade with Milwaukee. Now we're going to talk about the events of today. And Warriors to GM Bob Myers comes by to talk about that. And, and uh, the Warriors go to San Antonio. Steven Jackson uh, sent down. He's always been a favorite of Greg Popovich. You get Richard Jefferson, uh, the contract for guard, T.J. Ford, and a 2012 first-round pick that is lottery uh, protected. And yesterday, uh, Larry Riley was saying that there was no no deal on the table for Steven Jackson. So I'm assuming that this kind of happened uh, this morning. Tim, it did. And, and uh, you go to sleep at night around the trading deadline, and, and you feel like you're an emergency ER doctor because you are just kind of staring at your phone and trying to see who may call and what may happen. And as with any anything in life, I think deadlines uh, are there for a reason. And a lot of people and teams wait till the very end to make offers. And the great thing about deadlines is, is you find out what people really think and what their interest level really is. And for Steven Jackson, there had been a couple of teams that put out feelers to us and we had received some calls but you really don't know until crunch time if something's serious or not. And San Antonio had put out a feeler, but you hear so many different types of trade scenarios over the weeks and months leading up to it that you just don't know what's real. But if you get a call on the day of the trading deadline, you know it's real. And San Antonio re-engaged today with us, and uh, we felt like there was a possibility to, to get a deal done and, and something that worked for them and something that worked for us. And it came together very, very quickly, and we're, we're just thrilled. We think we got a great player, and we think uh, being in this draft, the depth of it uh, is something we were just trying hard to do. It's very hard to get a first-round pick in any draft, let alone one that I think is valued this high. So we, we feel like we did great, and um, it was very busy. I think we were very active, and uh, we're very tired. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I would imagine so. You guys got to be exhausted. Now, Richard Jefferson comes in. He's got a little, little bit longer contract than, than uh, Steven Jackson, but what, what do you see with, with Jefferson, and why was he attractive? He does have another year on his contract, and uh, as we looked at that, we, uh, we looked hard at that and said, does this decrease our flexibility, and is, is the cost of a pick in the first round of this year's draft worth taking on an extra year of money, Tim? We felt it was because as you as you really dig deep into the business of, of the NBA and looking at the financial components of, of deals, of your cap room, you have to look at being under the cap as opposed to being under the tax. And what we realized in the year that we were taking on money with Richard Jefferson, we really weren't going to have a ton of cap space anyway. Uh, we still had Beedrons, would, would still have had Beedrons under contract, some big, big contracts on the books, Andrew Bogut now. Uh, David Lee, Steph Curry, we hope to keep and sign, and his contract would kick in then. So we felt like by taking on Richard Jefferson's extra year, it really wouldn't have uh, changed or doesn't change what our flexibility would have been in that year anyway. We'd have been about five or six million under the cap, which is just the equivalent of having the use of a mid-level exception, which is the same that you get if you're over the cap. So we ran the numbers. We looked hard at it, and uh, you don't spend that money wisely. You don't take on money. Uh, I mean, excuse me. You do spend that money wisely. You don't just spend it lightly. Um, and uh, we looked hard at it, and we decided that for us it was worth it. And we also like again, the player evaluation was key. This guy's won, and uh, he's won in good places. He's a smart player. He's a great shooter, and a great defender as well. So we feel like uh, we have a great character guy and uh, somebody that's come from a great culture in San Antonio. So we're just excited. I mean, Bob, isn't it all part of trying to make the Warriors uh, one of the destination places in the NBA? And you don't do that overnight. You have to build up some cachet so players want to say, hey, I want to go play there. Yeah, you're right, Tim. And we've been working on that uh, 
for, since I was hired, and, and uh, I know Larry Riley's been working on it, and since Joe and Peter uh, purchased the team, it's about changing the brand of the team, being a place that people aspire to play for. And the fans have uh, truly, if you if you haven't been to a game uh, and you, you're from another part of the country or you're visiting or uh, watching it for the first time, it is really, we say it all the time how great the Golden State Warriors fans are, but Every time I go to a game, I, I look up in the stands and you just shake your head at the loyalty, at the passion of the fans. And that's one thing we have. And it's nothing that the management or ownership has done. That's just the community and the fan base has created a great energy about the arena. So that's something we have. We owe it to the fans now to put a good product out there. And that's what we're trying to do. So when a player looks at the Warriors and says, is this a place I want to be traded to? Is this a place I want to sign a free agent contract with? Is this a place I want to get drafted to? The first thing they look at is the quality of the organization. They also look at the winning history, and that's up to us to change. And I think as we get there, and I think we're getting there, bringing in high-character players, we're going to win. And then we'll be associated with winning, which is very important. But the fans are there. I think the ownership has shown they'll spend money. Um, I think Larry Riley's done a great job with some of these moves, and and our whole group um, has been working really hard, Tim, and we're happy. And, and we hope that as each day passes, we become a place where when players, either one, get traded to us, two are drafted by us, three choose to sign with us, say, hey, this is a great place to be. Well, you know, it's funny, t- too, because I think I told you this last year that, that when the Warriors went out and bought a second-round pick, it's the first time since I've been with the Warriors that that had actually happened. And now you guys have done it again. You went out and, and got a pick from Atlanta, and there's a potential – to have four picks in this draft, which is called one of the deepest drafts in years, why was that pick so attractive? You look at your team, and this is something I learned, Tim, uh, fresh into the business. You always want to have assets. Um, and assets can be draft picks. They can be players. Uh, those can be those two things. Uh, cap flexibility can be an asset. Right now, our assets are our players and our, our draft picks. Uh, we've, we've given up the flexibility, but we've given it up to acquire what we think are high-quality players. And now we have a lot of draft picks. And every time you enter a draft, Tim, you are looked upon as having options. And the more options you have, the better off you can be to be creative, make moves, add uh, players. For example, if you have two first-round picks, you can package those two and move them into one. If you have two seconds, maybe you package the second-round picks into a late first. Or, for example, a team that really wants to get in the draft may want to trade you a high-quality player to get in the draft. If you have no picks, you almost have a situation where there's a big party going on and you can't get in the door. Uh, if you have four picks, they're rolling out a red carpet for you and uh, opening up the door and asking if you want some <laughs> champagne and, 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 and caviar. So it, it's a great situation to be going into a, what is a very deep draft and feeling like you've got a great seat at the table to either one, draft all those players, two, package them for a better pick, or three, trade them for a high-quality player. And that's the new ownership's commitment to spending money and uh, putting winning first. Uh, you don't see every organization putting winning first. And and myself, Larry, uh, Kirk Lacob, Travis Schlink are very lucky in basketball operations to have an ownership group that puts winning first. You, you can't uh, emphasize that enough because ultimately that's what we're all here to do is win. Yeah, it's 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 funny because it, it, you're you're absolutely right. On on draft day, 
uh, you'll have so much more flexibility. You'll have to be able to react. You'll have the opportunity to be fluid on draft day, which is which is a huge key. Couple of tweets I want to bring to you. One from uh, Broccoli Beef makes me a little bit hungry. He says, "Love the moves. A new regime showing willingness to think outside the box is what you're saying, and take risk instead of sticking with status quo." And definitely, it's been an, an interesting 48 hours. And the the other one I wanted to get to though was. Low Medi 78 who says, how are doctors from other teams able to see injured players without it, it coming out? How does that process work when you're trying to evaluate a player who is, uh, I guess, quote-unquote, on the shelf? You know, it's, uh, it's a trust issue, and that's why it's a small fraternity of general managers and doctors, and you learn very quickly who you can trust and what teams are good to deal with, and we were lucky to deal with a team where we had a relationship with their uh, general manager, John Hammond, a relationship with their assistant GM, uh, Jeff Weltman, um, and uh, we felt like this was an organization that had good people working within it, so when we decided to exchange medicals, as you do with any team when you're talking about a trade, you have to trust the discretion because you never want to get up to the line of doing a trade having exchanged medicals and it gets out that you've done so, and the trade doesn't occur because that looks bad for both sides because it looks like you're trying to trade your players. And ultimately, nobody really wants to go through that as a player or somebody in the front office to walk right up to the line and not complete a trade. So you really have to trust the other party that you're dealing with to know that they're going to use discretion and they're going to keep things quiet and protect information Um but it's, it's a procedure that's done. It's uh, taken very seriously. It's not done lightly. And you only really, they call it getting to medicals. So when you get to the medicals of a deal, Tim, it means you're serious about doing it. So you don't just say, hey, I would like to trade you X player for Y player. Show me the medicals. Initially, as trades occur, it's about a month out, six months out, two months out, where you say, hey, I really like X player on your team. And you say, what do you like for us? And that's how it starts. And then if you get to the point where you've had multiple, multiple conversations, only then do you say, you know what, maybe it's time to look at the medicals. But at that point, you're pretty serious about doing a deal should the medicals look okay. And, and finally, just a quick, quick clarification, because I know you had to run, but uh, TJ4 was just, just taking that contract back, and that contract just goes off the books at the end of the year, correct? Yeah, but I used to represent TJ, Tim. Okay. So I said at some point, you know, even though he's retiring, I said, I'll get you on the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> so this was no, a No, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah it wasn't. We, it fit into the deal. And um, it was, uh, yeah, TJ actually te- text messaged me and said, I'm a Warrior. And we kind of had a little <laughs> laugh over it. But, yeah, he's a great guy. And we would have loved to have had him. But he, um, you know, I, I was there. And, and I know we're wrapping it up. But he, he when he hurt his neck in Atlanta, and uh, I was at the game, and he, he took him off on a stretcher, and I was at his kind of bed in the hospital where he couldn't move. And it was just a surreal thing, and his his uh, wife now was calling, and he put his son on the phone. And I, at that point, I just said, this is not worth it, TJ. You made enough money. Just, just stop. And yeah. uh, he was just devastated. Ultimately, he got all his feeling back and came back. And this latest time he got hit, he uh, he just said, that's enough. It's not you know, I'm not doing this anymore. And so uh, I'm just happy he's leaving the game healthy. Yes, you know, exactly. He's a great guy. He was a great player, great competitor, and he, he, gave it a, he gave it a good go in his career playing with a difficult injury. So I, I guess in summation, you know, you guys have to be very excited, as I am, about looking forward to the future with, you know, with a healthy Andrew Bogut and, and uh, 
you know, the roster becoming more balanced, the team's getting bigger, which it needed it needed to do, and uh, maybe some cap room a couple of years down the road. But 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 uh, but boy, it just it it just it's got a nice little uh, nice little feel to it because a healthy Bogut. And I don't think a lot of people have seen him play mm-hmm. because he's been playing in Milwaukee. Uh, but when he's healthy, this guy's this guy's really really good. He's uh, tremendous, and we feel we feel like and, and Monte Ellis rightly so should be should be supported by the fans, and we were, he did a great job for us. But we felt like the roster we had con, uh, con, uh, kind of put together was one that needed a change, and it, it's not a, never personal, um, but we felt like we needed to make a change, and and we're thrilled. We are absolutely thrilled, and. Um, we can't wait to see the true, uh, the final result and the true product on the court. And um, whenever that is, if it's at the end of this year, if it's the start of next year, we're gonna we're gonna be excited. I know you'll be excited, Tim, because I think you haven't seen a center uh, with the Warriors franchise for quite some time. <laughs> either have I. Ah, <laughs> uh, jeez. I think. Uh, let's see. I was telling someone the other day that the only player that we've had since I've been with the team where you could throw it to him on the box. And say go get you, you know, go get us something. Was uh, Terry Cummings during our first lockout year? Yeah, that's been and, about and the really, guy. I mean, really, he's a four. Yeah, you know, but you're right, and yeah, that's and us. He's a four. Yeah, as right. a Warriors, as a Warriors supporter, which I am too, take away my job title. You try to make a four or five. That's how desperate we are around here. <laughs> we have to go back to to Joe Barry Carroll to, exactly. to find him. Really, Joe Barry Carroll and, and Robert Parrish. Yeah, I mean, it's just, so hopefully it's, we got one here. I, I right. think we do. Assistant General Manager Bob Myers talking about the Warriors' acquisitions today, getting that first-round pick from the San Antonio Spurs. It is lottery-protected. And, of course, getting that second-round pick as as well. So the Warriors have the potential of having four picks in the draft of 2012. We move right along with your questions on Twitter, at Warriors Vox, Warriors V-O-X, and a special look back at the careers of Monte Ellis and Epe Udo in Warrior uniforms, and then Mark Spears from Yahoo Sports comes by and will break down the NBA trading deadline day. You don't want to miss that on KMBR 680, the sports leader. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues coming up. Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports to talk about the rest of the NBA activity. We'll break it down trade by trade. Time to answer a couple of your questions at Warriors Vox on Twitter. That's Warriors V-O-X. Or you can send me an email at uh, T-J-R-O-Y-E at G-S hyphen warriors.com that's t-j-r-o-y-e at g-s hyphen warriors.com so let's get to your questions right now let's go to the questions about the activities of the last couple of days and uh, and this one coming from ren k wants to know what are they planning to do with all those second and first round picks move up i hope i I think that's a possibility You, you stockpile those picks you can move up you can Combine them with a player in a in a particular deal. You can send a player to a team that's picking above you, and, and there's all kinds of combinations. When you have assets like that on draft day, and the Warriors have the potential to have four picks on draft day in this very deep draft, then you're in a position where you can be very fluid. You can react at a moment's notice depending on who is picked where in the draft. And as you know, Golden State has not been in this position too many times in recent years. So it's a very exciting time uh, for the Golden State Warriors to be in that position. I think it's, it's a really good 
position of strength to be in as they head toward the June draft. Next one from Zeke21 wants to know, would the Warriors take a chance on Greg Oden if he could be gotten cheap? Uh, Greg Oden being released by the Portland Trailblazers today. And obviously uh, with Oden, as with any player that's been injured, you'd have to have him checked out. You'd have to bring him in. But I think once he's healthy... Once he's healthy, I, th- I would definitely take a look at him and bring him in for a workout. I mean, you can never have enough bigs. And obviously, for Greg Oden, uh, the incentive is there for Greg Oden. You know, if there's a guy that really wants to prove himself in the NBA, not, to, not for the money, but just to prove that he belongs in the NBA, it's going to be a guy like Greg Oden because it's just sad uh, the way his career has gone. But once he's healthy, uh, why not get, take a look at him? I'm not saying go out and sign him right away, but why not take a look at him and uh, and go ahead and just bring him in uh, to see what he has. And our next question comes from Showtime, and, and Tim, Andrew Bogut is hurt. Why would the Warriors trade for a guy who is injured? Well, you're trading for a guy who a few years ago was the third best center in the league. He was NBA all-third team which meant that the voters around the league considered him the third best center in the NBA. He went three years in a row, averaging over two blocks per game. That's significant. I mean, that's that's stunning. Epe Udo, a good shot blocker, averages about 1.4 when they traded him to Milwaukee. So now you've got this kid Bogut coming in. He's big, he's tough, he's good around the basket. And I, I think it's a, it's a situation where the Warriors wanted to change the way they, they look at themselves, and as Larry Riley said in his press conference yesterday, the Warriors were stuck, and the Warriors were in a position of almost being an NBA no-man's land. Uh, they were good enough to be in the hunt for the playoffs, but they weren't good enough to be above 500 consistently year after year after year without adding a piece. How do you add a piece? Well, you add it through the draft, you add it in free agency, or you do it in a trade. And in this case, by bringing in Bogut, and Bogut playing alongside David Lee. His ability to block shots will help David Lee on the defensive end and give him another person to rely on for rebounding. You know, I think the eventual goal would be to play David Lee, you know, less at five unless you have the right matchup. Right now, David Lee has to play five because the Warriors don't have centers that they can throw out there. So now you have Bogut to start, and that's going to help David Lee. Plus, now you bring in Richard Jefferson via the San Antonio trade and see if he can come back to where he was with New Jersey. And now your backcourt has a point guard and an off guard in Steph Curry and you have Clay Thompson. So it's a more traditional look. The team gets bigger, which is what they have to do. And again, go back to what I've been saying for the last year or so. With the Warriors' divisional rivals set up the way they are, 16 games against Phoenix, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Kings, when you look at a normal 82-game season, you'll play those teams 16 times over the course of the regular season. So that means four games against Andrew Bynum and Gasol, four games against DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin, four games against Marcin Gortat, who I think is a very underrated player and has a chance to be a good center in this league for a long time, and four games against DeMarcus Cousins. You have to have a good center to survive in the Pacific Division in the upcoming years, and the Warriors got that with Andrew Bogut. But, of course, when you make a deal, you have to give up something to get something. And the Warriors had to do that. And they gave up Monte Ellis. And what a spectacular player he has been for the Golden State Warriors. One of the most improved honor. He can get you 25 at the drop of the hat. And night in and night out, Monte Ellis would give you that one play, that one move where you would just go, wow. And as a guy who does play-by-play for his living, I have to tell you, uh, Monte Ellis gave me nothing 
uh, but highlights to call in his tenure with the Golden State Warriors. They also gave up one of the nicest guys I have met in the NBA, and that's Epe Udo. Not only nice, but starting to play real well. A good, solid player, and a player that has good upside in the NBA as his offensive game improves. And just a real real gentleman, a guy that not only values his NBA potential, but his potential as a person. Went back and got his degree from Baylor uh, during the lockout, uh, a guy that really treasures the educational process. So right now, as we look to the future of Golden State with the moves that were made in the last 48 hours, let's take a brief peek to the past as a way of saying thank you to two men who are now members of the Milwaukee Bucks, Monte Ellis and Epe Udo. the 40th pick in the 2005 NBA draft. The Golden State Warriors select Monta Ellis from Lanier High School in Jackson, Mississippi. I mean, I had some great years here. I had some bad ones. Um, but, I mean, just, you know, thankful that I had the opportunity to, to do what I do for, the, you know, the seven years I was here. You know, I started my career here. Uh, did whatever I can. I mean, it's going in another direction. And, man, it, it was great to me, so I feel good. Shovel the rebound to Monte, on the go, five Pierce to the rim with a beautiful head fake. Monte Ellis is just on a different cloud right now. Everybody else is below him. Three seconds left. Ellis with one. Ellis scores at the buzzer. 18 for Monte Ellis. At the end of the day, he has been the leader of this team. He's been vocal. He's been supportive. He understands when he doesn't do things that, 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 that he's supposed to do on the court. He's a no-excuse guy. He's having an incredible year, and um, um, he's, he's, he's a great basketball player, in, in my opinion, by far. And this is as good a compliment as he can get by far the, the third best shooting guard in the world behind Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade. Three good if it goes. Good! Oh, he hit it! About a step and a half, cross half court. Monte with a spectacular three. If you want to be, be good in this league, you got to you know improve every year. You, know, you just can't stay on the same level. So look at the things that I was not bad at, but you know that I can improve and get consistent of. Five seconds to go. I'm a Warriors, and I'm always going to be a Warriors. With the sixth pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, the Golden State Warriors select F.A. Udo from Baylor University. Too strong. Udo! Damn it! Left arm! Lead out to the right side, streaking to the goal. Udo with a block on Courtney Lee from behind. F.A. Udo, welcome to YouTube. 
here. Johnson dribbles, hands off to DeRozan. Chased by Rush. Down the lane. Rejected. Pepe Udo with a block and it goes out of bounds. I'm a defensive guy. You know, I like to block shots. To Clay Thompson. He's open. He will fire away and cannot find the race. Jab home. Pepe Udo. Climb that ladder. He ties the game at 27. <laughs> you want to talk about wingspan. Holy smokes. Long and lanky and everyone thinks he's a really good prospect and everyone has high hopes for him and he's got size and block shots. I thought he was very, very impressive. Out of the pack, throws to F.A. Udo. One dribble down the lane, bank shot leading it over Beto Udrek. F.A. Udo, like a slow-moving diesel, got that shot up low right to bank it home. He's going to be a guy who's going to continue to defend. He's going to get better offensively. And if you have a playoff team, he's going to be a guy who can be in your top eight, nine guys, which puts him in the rotation. And who knows where he goes from there. Rejected by F.A. Udo. Not at this address, my friend. Turns the corner down the lane. Lobbed to be in the two days of air. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. It's a great time to be an NBA fan. It's the training deadline day. I, Tim Lloyd, our coverage continues here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Friend of the program, Mark Spears from Yahoo Sports, comes on by to help us break this down. And it got crazy, Mark, about, I think, about 10 a.m. West Coast time. It just sort of exploded into deal after deal after deal. Uh, the pressure of the deadline without an off season. do you think that had a lot to do with it today? Well, I expected uh, shoot probably two hours before the trade deadline it to be pretty quiet. And then, man, it was. <laughs> then all of a sudden, with a flurry, people were getting things done. And uh, there were certainly some interesting trades that were made and trades that weren't made, moves that weren't made. Um, you know, Dwight Howard uh, stayed. And uh, if, if he had decided that he wouldn't have. I mean, I still think. Minnesota probably should have moved. I mean, Orlando should have moved him because he is not guaranteed that he's going to be there. Right. Uh, I, I really don't. I don't know, man. I know they're getting him for the rest of the year, but it, it it's, to me is pretty risky. And um, and it, it was just odd to hear him continually say, "I'm loyal this morning," but yet not loyal enough to sign the. Uh, contract for the rest of the season. I mean, for for another five years. Right. So, uh, but uh, you know, once the Dwight thing came solidified, uh, it seemed like all the other stuff fell into place. And you had an interesting uh, mix of deals, uh, several surprising deals as well. Yeah, several surprising deals. And let, let's go east first, and go to. Uh, the Washington Wizards, and I think they accomplished what a lot of people thought they might not be able to, which was to clean out their locker room. Wow. Yeah, you know, Javal McGee, uh, Blotch, Andre Blotch, and, uh, you know, Nick Young have been giving them a lot of immaturity headaches. And I think they just got to the point where, you know what, we need to make a change. We need to make a big change. You also have to keep in mind they need to make a change to keep John Wall interested in being with this franchise. You know, John Wall is quietly one of the special players in the league, very, very special, talented young point guard. And I know he, he was getting weary of a lot of those guys. Now, they could have moved Blotch, but they, they shockingly were able to get 
you know, Nene for uh, McGee. And keep in mind, McGee was hoping for a big-time long-term contract that the Washington didn't really want to pay him. And the Nuggets just signed, signed him to like a five-year, Nene to a five-year deal right before the season. And, and it just, just out of nowhere, that now all of a sudden they got McGee uh, instead. And so now that gives Wall his, uh, you know, inside guy to, he could go to for, for many years. I'm sure knowing Nene like I am, he's stunned. Oh, I'm I mean, sure. He, he signed there and he could have went somewhere else and decided to uh, remain with the Nuggets. And, and he got paid, but uh, I'm sure he's got a, in a loss for words right now as to why he got traded from the Nuggets. And the Clippers get Nick Young, and if you think about Nick Young, he's, his shot selection has not always been the best, but yeah. now he's got Chris Paul dictating when he gets the ball, so that could help his career. Well, no, it definitely is a, a, the only place he wanted to go, the best place for him. Now, I, I thought the Washington didn't get much for him at all, second-round pick and Brian Cook. But again, they just needed a clean house, and they they have confidence in Jordan Crawford, and that trade probably is a bigger win for the Clippers. You know, they they lost Chauncey Billups, they didn't get J.R. Smith, so shooting guard was a major void for them, and they needed some extra scoring to to complement Chris Paul and, and Blake Griffin, and they certainly they they've been reeling a little bit lately, but now with the addition of uh, Young, a Los Angeles native, uh, with Chris Paul in his ear, I'm sure you'll get the best of him. Let's move on to uh, the Portland Trailblazers. And uh, officially, I guess you could say they're blowing it up, which is the term that you use for something like this. Marcus Camby goes to toes to the Rockets for Hashim Thabit, Johnny Flynn, and a 2012 second-round pick. Gerald Wallace goes off to uh, New Jersey for Memento Core. Uh, Sean Williams, who I hear they may be buying out, and a protected first-round pick, and and Nate McMillan got fired as a head coach. Lots of headlines in the Oregonian tomorrow. Yeah, and they still got uh, Jamal Crawford and uh, Raymond Phelps, mm-hmm. two guys right. they were expected to move. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and now they're going to get rid of Greg Oden. I mean, it's wow. That. I'm glad I ain't the beat writer writing all that. <laughs> we, well, they couldn't have wait till tomorrow to fire a date. I mean, yeah, you have to, you have twenty. 000, no, we're, we're gonna trade him during the. Tra- we're gonna get rid of him during the trade deadline. Yeah, wow. twenty thousand words of space to fill. Go ahead. I mean, how do you have a press conference for all that? Oh, it's unbelievable. All in one day. Think about it. It's Trey Camby. You keep Felton, who's been a cancer. Jamal Crawford's still there, even though you you dangled him to Minnesota. Okay, and the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you get rid of Greg Oden and your number one pick. You just wave him. You get rid of your coach, and you trade Wallace. And I know you already just said all that, but I'm still trying to comprehend <laughs> everything <laughs> they just did. It's it's amazing. Um, the only thing I can think of is that they're just trying to load up to to go after the free agents in the next year and the year oh, after that. I'm sure they're running to Portland right now, right? Well, they're I'm really just saying. excited about potentially going there. They will go to green. I mean, it's a marquee city like Miami and, and you know, New York. And, and Come on, now. Portland, Portland's a nice little city. And they, they've treated their players like Brandon Roy so great. Uh, <laughs> done a great job with their coach. Very respected. And, 
and that's not a sarcastic comment. He's a very respected coach. Oh, yes, he is. You fire him now. I mean, it, uh, boy, it was, it, it was, it's, been, it's, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing because it was, it was pretty ugly there for a couple of weeks. They, they, in, they, in a month's time, they went from a Western Conference power to a Western Conference joke. Yeah, they're they're definitely looking at at starting over. There's no no doubt about that. <laughs> I mean, there, there's nowhere nowhere to go now but to to start to start over. Uh, do you like what the the Rockets did on the day? I mean, you get Camby, and then they get a first round pick and uh, Fisher for Jordan Hill. No, I I, I like that. I certainly like that. Camby, you know, Camby's from Houston, so. He could slide into that center spot. Well, hang on, hang on now, hang on now. As a, as a proud, I mean, he grew up in, he lives in Houston and all. He lives in Houston. Yeah, I'm, so I'm, he could just go into his house. It'll be easy for him. Kids are there. I'm sure he'll be extremely happy. And and we'll be hopeful. I think he's always quietly hoped that he could sign there at some point. So I know he's ecstatic. Um, and he could be that guy that gets him over the hump to get into the playoffs and is is a real good compliment there. I mean, and they got rid of Sabit. We forgot that Sabit is going to Portland too. Yeah, uh, and Johnny Flynn. And Johnny Flynn. Wow, wasn't lit. Two top ten picks have been complete disappointments, um, major disappointments. Wow, but I, I like what Houston did, and we'll, we'll see what that pick ends up being. I mean, it's not going to be a high pick, but still a first round pick and a great draft. Uh, I like what they did. I really like what they did. Now, I like Vermont Sessions, but it's interesting to see what the Lakers did today. I mean, they got they. It looked like to me, and you would know better than I, that they were looking to to save some money somewhere along the way. Well, they they, they saved some money in Fish, and I think Fish was done. You know, um, especially for what they want, they need they needed a young point guard to defend the young point guard that they've. They they uh, are killing them. They needed a, a guy that could score, and they got that. And he's, he's a young guy who has proven when it started that he could be successful. So I, I really like to move for the Lakers. I, I know it's going to be hard for Kobe, but I, I think they in, increase their chances of winning with him there and Blake still around because I think Blake has been productive. Uh, since coming back from injury. And and I know a lot of people don't know much about Jordan Hill, but how many minutes, one, is he going to get between Gasol, after Gasol and uh, after Bynum? And, but he, he'll be able to come in, probably play about 10, 15 minutes a game, you know, get some easy putbacks, and he can score in the post a little bit. I mean, he's he'll be able to be a serviceable guy in that role for him. Keep in mind, the best thing about it, they didn't trade Bynum or, or, or Gasol. Right, they kept those two guys. And as long as they have those two with Kobe, they're a threat yeah. to win it all. Because those two guys, I think, are, I mean, Gasol, is, uh, people don't realize how good he is when he's playing well and, and, and playing in the right frame of mind. And maybe now he'll get back to that, I think, having not being moved. We're talking with Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports, Tim Roy on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, going through these uh, trades today and a flurry of trades uh, in the NBA, and, and uh, I'm going to ask Mark about the Warrior trades in, in just a moment. But a couple of things to get to. You know, we were talking about the uh, the uh, the Lakers. Uh, tell me your your thoughts on New Jersey. Had to be a tough week for the Nets because you know that they were trying to get uh, Dwight Howard, and of course, as you say, he, they still might be able to get him. You know, as as a free agent. But uh, what do you think about the Nets? 
Wow. Sad, one of the saddest days in their franchise. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, I mean, think about it. Not only are they not going to get Dwight Howard, but why would Darren Williams stay? I expect Darren Williams to opt out and go to his hometown, Dallas. I'm sure Dallas is quietly celebrating this, um, even though they're not going to, you know. And they, you know what? And they still might get Dwight when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. You know? They still might get Dwight. Right. So, Dallas Mavericks were quietly a winner today, if you can believe that. I mean, it's I, – I don't know whether or not – and I'm doing – and I'm saying it because I'm doing a winner-loser thing for Yahoo and I'm writing it, you know, as we uh, – before and after we speak. But what should I say of the Magic? Are they a winner or a loser? Yeah, they're definitely a winner in the short term. You know, yeah, they, they, they keep them the for this term. year. But and they could certainly be a loser, the biggest loser next year. Could be, could be a big loser. And, uh, you know, they buys them some more time uh, maybe to, to, you know, go out and, and maybe make another move around the draft to show Dwight that they're getting, you know, some bodies in there to, to help them win a title. So I, yeah. I, it does buy them more time. It does do that. Yeah, so, so check this out. Dallas gets more time to, to, to get rid of money. I mean, I mean, think Orlando has to know that in a year Dallas could get Dwight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure they do. I, yeah. I don't think that Dallas is high on Dwight's list, but with Darren there and, and Dirk probably on his way out, yeah, I, I think it, it could be intriguing for him. Yeah, it could be. Could be. Could be. Um, Mark, t- tell me about your well, a couple of other minor minor deals. Uh, to look at, obviously, the the uh, Pacers get uh, Barbosa, which I think will help them. Sam Young goes to Philadelphia. I kind of like Sam Young, so the you know little little helps there for teams that are trying to to uh, get a little deeper, a little better to challenge Miami and uh, Chicago in the East. But let's get to the Warriors for a second and give me your thoughts on, on what they did with the trade of Monte. And uh, yesterday, Larry Riley in his press conference, and we had Larry on earlier in the show, so that the franchise was was stuck in a, a spot. And and uh, and I think he I think he hit it really on uh, uh, the nail on the head there because I, I think the the team wasn't in a spot where it was not going to be good enough to get to the Western Conference Final, maybe get into the playoffs. But but uh, I think they had to make a move, and and if if Bogut's healthy. Uh, then this roster all of a sudden turns into a, a traditional roster with a five that can help David Lee and, and a bigger off guard and and, and just a, a more traditional look for the Warriors than they've had in, in years. Yeah, no, I uh, I really like the move. I mean, I think about it. In 2010, Bogut was an all-NBA third-team center. Know what, that, know what that means? That means he was considered the third-best center in the league. Right. And if healthy, I, I believe he's the third-best center in the league still behind uh, Howard and Bynum. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've really loved his game, thought he was underrated. He could shoot inside and outside. Um, he blocks shots. He takes charges. He's a unbelievable passer. He and David Lee will complement each other very, very well. You know, the key is his health, and he's gotten – uh, solid bill of health uh, as far as his progress from the Warriors, the Bucks, and two independent doctors. You know, I talked to him. He's going to probably in 
two weeks, he, he's expected to get checked again, and if everything goes right, get his boots off, boot off. I don't know that he plays a game this season, and I, I don't think it's important. I mean, I, I'm sure they would like that, you know, top seven pick if they could get that. And I guess the Warriors might have a pick from uh, what San Antonio now. Right, have a protected pick from San Antonio. Yeah, and that they'll probably get that because Spurs will be in the playoffs. I think uh, it's just lottery protected, but um, I really like what they did. I mean, they were Monte Ellis is a phenomenal scorer. Don't get me wrong, great, great scorer, but the backcourt was too small. wasn't going anywhere. Uh, the, the, there was no progress, and Clay Thompson is playing so well. He's a taller player um, with a good backup in Brandon Rush. You know, it helped make Monte, who was actually the most attractive player on the roster expendable so i mean who knows next year you could have a starting lineup with curry um you know uh the young kid clay thompson yep and you got david lee you got bogut and now in a small forward position hey who knows what richard jefferson could be in a more athletic style Sure. sure and and uh so I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Richard Jefferson is productive here. But keep in mind, if somehow <laughs> the Warriors wink, wink, plummet, and they get that pick, and they got the pick from San Antonio, which I've been told by scouts that even from 15 to 25, you're going to get a player that could be in your rotation. Their team could be dramatically improved next year, and if healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a playoff team. You know, you think about it. If if, if you get that seven pick, and you got San Antonio's pick, and now they they have acquired a pick from Atlanta and have another second round pick, they could have four picks in this draft, and it was what is called by many, you know, one of the best drafts in years. Yeah. And the New Jersey second round pick that they have, uh, that's close to the first round, obviously. Yeah. No, so, they got a a chance to dramatically upgrade their size and their roster. Um. And I really like what they're doing. I, I really do. And, uh, I mean, um, you know, wish Monte the best, but a change had to be made, and I, I think I've been one of the biggest proponents of a change being made. You know, the the uh, the other part about Monte playing with Steph, I always thought, too, is the fact that, um, that you have uh, two guards in Curry and Monte who are at their best when they have the ball. And so, to me, it was always, you know, the size part was always, there was always a, a little bit of a factor, but also the fact that, that both of them were their best when they had the ball in their hands. Where a guy like Clay Thompson, he's more complimentary to a guard like Steph, and also to Mate, because he can do all his work off the ball and, and then just get it turned and, and fire away. So I, I think it, it's, it's also a matter of just, you know, finding parts that fit better. And, and I think that's, you know, and, and I think that was also a big, a big aspect of this. Hey, before I, uh, I let you go, um, uh, can you even imagine the roller coaster that has been the New York Knicks in the last month? I mean, that's unbelievable. So up and down, right? It's, it's, it's just, like you won a lottery and then somebody grabbed a check and ripped it up in front of you. Um, <laughs> but I, I think D'Antoni, it, it was inevitable that he was going to go. I mean, he should thank Jeremy Lin for saving his job for about a month. But... Um, it just, I think from the beginning, D'Antoni and Mello was a bad marriage. D'Antoni, from everything I was told, never was even, never wanted Mello. Um, so that marriage was doomed from the beginning. 
And, uh, you know, I know they had a great first game without him. We'll see how that goes long term. But I, I don't give up on Melo and Amari just yet. I, I think a ch- coaching change needs to be made. And then what this does, it allow, allows the franchise to evaluate whether those two guys can coexist together and what kind of coach is best for them. But I, but I think uh, a change coaching-wise had to be made to do that. And if you think you go back to Mike Woodson in Atlanta where he had a good deal of success and then they, the team improved every year, uh, Mike Woodson's a guy that, that knows how to get players into good isolation situations a la Joe Johnson. So you think Carmelo's got to be really happy with this because Mike Woodson will help him succeed. Yeah, no, he's he Joe had a lot of success under him and um, – you know, he has a lot of motivation for success here and working well with Melo and Amari because he wants to keep the job. You know, you got guys, and it still may not be enough. You know, Phil Jackson could be interested or Sloan or now Nate McMillan is a potential candidate. Um, you know, Van Gundy's name is always going to be tossed around. There are going to be always going to be a lot of people interested in that next job right now. Uh, but, hey, it's his opportunity. Let's see what, what he does with it. Mark Spears, always a pleasure, uh, my friend, to have you on and to, to supply us with some wisdom about the National Basketball Association. Anytime, my friend. All right. Always good to talk to you. That's Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports. I'm Tim Roy, and this is the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. And don't forget, you can hear this conversation in its entirety at warriors.com. This Monday, March 19th, Warriors legend Chris Mullen will have his iconic number 17 retired. The first of 10,000 fans in attendance will receive a limited edition Chris Mullen bobblehead, courtesy of insurance. Join us at Oracle Arena for this once-in-a-lifetime event. For ticket information, go to warriors.com or call one gsw hoop and press option number one. Back to wrap up the show, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable Trading Deadline Special on KMBR 680, the sports leader. I don't believe it. I can't believe You're unbelievable. Unbelievable. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Upcoming games brought to you by Cass Creek Casino Resort. Come on out tomorrow night, 7.15 in the air time on KMBR 680 as the Warriors take on Monte Ellis, Epe Udo, and the Milwaukee Bucks. So your chance to say goodbye to Monte and also to see the Warriors with this undermanned squad that's played very well the last two, two nights to see if they can get another win before heading out on the road Saturday at Utah. 5.45 the air time when the Warriors take on the Jazz. Monday, Chris Mullen retirement night. First to 10,000, get that Chris Mullen limited edition bobblehead, 715 the airtime on KMBR, 680, right back out on the road in New Orleans on Wednesday night, March 21st, Warriors and the Hornets, 445 the airtime on KMBR, 1050. No show next week. Our next show is March 29th. That's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable right here on KMBR 680 at 9 o'clock. I'm Tim Roy for producer R.C. Davis. Thanking my guests tonight, Larry Riley, Warriors General Manager, Warriors Assistant GM Bob Myers, Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports, all getting us settled on this exciting trading deadline today. David Feldhouse at the controls of the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy, Warriors and Bucks tomorrow night, 7.15 near airtime. And uh, don't touch that dial. ESPN Radio is on the way. Golden State Warriors basketball. Lee drop step up and over Howard. It's good. For tickets, go to warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.